0: It's a movie for kids, and you guys are dead inside.
1: The Incomparable, number 123, January 2013.
2: Welcome back to The Incomparable Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Snell. And our topic today is, uh, it's sort of a twofer. We have the uh, recent Disney animation movie, Wreck-It Ralph. And, of course, Wreck-It Ralph was itself inspired by classic Video games as well as modern video games. And so we're going to talk about Wreck It Ralph and also talk about it in the context of classic video games that we loved uh, and perhaps still love. I don't know. I don't want to judge. Perhaps our love continues to this day. Uh, Joining me to talk video games is this panel of uh, video game and animated film experts. Uh, I use the. Nobody's going to hold me to experts, right? Um uh, Steve Lutz is here. Hi, Steve. It's me. That's Stevio. Stevio. Uh also the man with Link from Zelda as his Skype icon. It's John Syracusa. Hi John.
1: Hi Jason. And yes, I'm the only one here with real gaming cred.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, we knew that. We knew that. Monty Ashley is also here. Hi Monty. Go west.
0: It's a text adventure.
2: Inventory. Uh, right. See, I wasn't on that episode. I, I missed out on my chance to
3: to to do that. South. South. It's never too late. South. That uh, nah, actually is kind of too late.
0: <laughs> inventory. Stop uh, doing your inventory.
3: You didn't pick uh, anything uh, up.
2: up. <laughs> drop, drop, I drop got the down. lamp. Z. Glenn Fleischman is also here. Hi, Glenn.
4: <laughs> up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A. I'm in charge of this podcast yeah. now. Uh, but I haven't introduced Dan Frakes. Oh, Sorry.
5: Do, 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 do. Hi, Jason.
2: That's okay, Glenn. You have another life. Ring. It's good to have you here, Dan. You're not on uh, very often because you're, uh, you know, you don't like us. But, but, no. you, <laughs> but you're
5: here, so it's oh, good. Okay. <laughs> you
2: know, he, I, I don't hear a denial. We're so happy to have you. There. Yeah. Ah. All right. So I, I actually went, I went and saw Wreck-It Ralph last week because Glenn deter- determined that he was going to do an episode about Wreck-It Ralph <laughs> and video games, and I could be on it or not basically i'm completely replaceable and and expendable uh, gotcha. and, and so i went on a on a monday late in the afternoon on a monday and uh saw it in a 3d screening where i was this has never happened to me before literally the only person in the movie theater no oh, that's no the way really Whoa. so i sat in the center center aisle you know halfway back And uh, I I felt like I should have made like a cellular like phone call in the middle of the just because I could because who was going to report me? But I didn't. I was I was well behaved. But yeah, it was just me. Just me and the
0: projectionist who is a robot. Were you at a theater where they normally report you if you use your cell phone? Because I would like to go to that theater. (laughs) Well, they threaten. They say that you'll be thrown away and
2: into the garbage if they catch you using your cell phone during the movie. But I've never tested it.
0: Doesn't Usher
3: just kind of wander up and waggle his finger at you in the dark?
2: I don't know. I've never seen it because I've never had a... uh, uh, I know people have terrible movie experiences where people do awful things in movie theaters. I've never actually... Experience that people seem to be, be- well behaved when I go to the movies. So
4: yeah, Marin huh. County. They're... Yeah, I know it's it's, it's Marine. hoity-toity fancy Marin <laughs> County. Orange. People don't scream I, in the theater. I, I actually have...
2: go to more movies in in Southern California because that's where we have readily available grandparents. <laughs> so I've seen <laughs> since since my daughter was born eleven years ago. I, I think I've probably seen twice as many movies in Southern California as I have in the county I live in, just because that's where the babysitters are. So. You know, the free babysitters, the grandparent yeah. babysitters. So. Now,
4: conversely, I went with my uh, older boy, Ben, who is eight, and um, we saw, I, the second time I saw it, and we went weeks after it had opened, and the theater, we thought we got there early enough. The only seats were in the front row, which he was fine with, next to a broken seat. Like, those are the only seats left in the theater, so it's still popular in Seattle. It
0: is the rainy season in Seattle, though, so you That's have to consider cool. that. That's all the year. It's not July right yeah. now, therefore the rain, rainy therefore season. Therefore rainy,
4: yes.
2: So Wreck-It Ralph, um, we should start there. I uh, I saw the trailer for this movie, and I, I was very excited about it because it had many references that I understood. Um, and uh, All in the trailer, pretty much. All in the trailer, <laughs> yes. There's a Pac-Man ghost, and that's Bowser.
0: There you go. There's your references. Not enough people were talking about the presence of the Beholder from the D&D video game.
2: Wow. Mm. i missed that entirely oh
1: from eye of the beholder eye of the beholder ssi adventure
2: isn't the beholder that like the the floating eyeball Eyeball, it's a floating eye yes it's a big
0: floating eye and has several small eyes
2: i was really upset there were no space invaders honestly that was what made me mad come on space invaders Although I read an article that said that that many of the video game companies didn't want their intellectual property used, suggesting that they were, you know, down on their luck, that that's why Qbert was homeless, is because that was the only video game character they could find where the owner of the intellectual property was willing to have uh, their character portrayed in a somewhat questionable light, which is funny because I thought Qbert actually came off really uh, sympathetic in a way that maybe, you know. Others did yeah, that,
1: that. Was something watching the trailers that I should have realized, but didn't. When I was sitting, in the, when I got done with the movie, I'm like, you know what? Why did I think this movie was going to be filled with a million video game characters? Because they have would have to either pay for or get permission for all those. But then. On the flip side of that, I'm like, but wait a second. If you do something as parody, isn't that protected and you don't have to like get their permission? So I'm, I'm confused as to what the legalities are about doing stuff. But
3: It's not really parody, is it? I mean, it's more like fan service than, than actual parody.
4: They never like to do parody, though. No, no studio wants to do parody because if they do it, then they enable others to do it. So even if it's defensible, they could be hit with a lawsuit and then they're saying it's okay and none of them want to actually you know step up and make it okay.
1: So you think they got permission for everything they used, or do they have to pay for everything they used because it seemed like there was way fewer references than I thought they would be not that this like that the movie hinges on this, but so
5: i w- I went to the uh, to the screening at the um the Disney studios in the Presidio uh, mm-hmm. with a couple of the tech hive people, and the directors were there and the producer and they said that yes, they went out and they got for most of the things they got permission from the you know original intellectual property owners. there were a few places where they said. Uh, that you know, an animator would just stick something in the background, and later on, they'd be producing it and say, "What the heck is that?" And <laughs> you know, but um, for the most part, they said, for, especially for the the things that actually spoke or you know had had some kind of a of a um, you know at the forefront of the of the of the movie um, or of a scene, they got permission. So, uh, but I think they said there were something like three hundred uh, characters from different video games at various places in the movie.
0: And they were all in that one wide shot. That <laughs> right, in that one shot. shot. Yeah, that's exactly right. I
2: kept, I kept trying to watch, look in the background, feeling like, you know, surely there are references back there, and and they're going to want to get their money's worth. And I, <laughs> I found myself focusing on the background in all those scenes instead of actually paying attention to what was yeah. happening in the foreground.
0: I just know there's going to be Sinistar waiting for a bus somewhere, and I'm not going to miss it when it happens. <laughs> I wait for the bus. <laughs>
1: that was the difficulty in putting in references because I would imagine that it's probably easier to get references to like to get permission for like old stuff like Qbert that no one cares about anymore, right, than it would be to get something modern. Who doesn't care about Qbert? Everybody loves Qbert. Well, but the but the thing is the movie they they decided aesthetically that every character in the movie would be rendered more or less as a coherent 3D incarnation, even if in the original video game they were made up of six blue dots. Right, So if you're looking for, like, the iconic little triangly thing from Centipede or Millipede, uh, maybe you wouldn't see it because it doesn't look like the same set of dots that you're used to. It would have to look like some sort of three-dimensional crystal pointy thing, you know? So it was a little bit hard for me to pick up stuff.
3: That's somewhat defeating the point. Well,
1: I mean, that's, they could have done, gone in that direction. They could have done this movie as, you know, you are in the world of classic video games and everything is rendered like a classic video game that would definitely right. be less accessible and more of like a-
3: well no it does it makes coherent sense because as you go through the screen suddenly you're in a 3d you know world where yeah, presumably I, that, anything that looked 2d in our right, world would be 3d right. there so yeah. it does it does make narrative sense but it kind of wrecks the whole let's show a bunch of video game references
1: Yeah. And not just references, but like it, you know, like there's, there's certain characteristics about the world of video games that you can riff on. And one of them, especially in a classic arcade is everything that was really low fidelity. But if once you make that creative decision to have, you know, okay, no, in this world, they'll all look like, you know, kind of like Pixar people, but not quite as nicely rendered. Uh, (laughs) Then you're, you're giving up a whole section that you could have mined for interesting things about things being made of pixels or two-dimensional yeah. or electron beams or, you know, stuff like that.
4: But, you know, the one thing they did, though, is they did have the the motion was jerky for certain kinds of characters. So in the Wreck-It Ralph game, the citizens of the, the people who live in the apartment building have right. that kind of jerky motion. I'm not sure they had it all the time, either. It seemed inconsistent, and, and I don't think in any of the other characters in any of the uh, – other scenes had like a eight bitty movement feel. Yeah. That's because the
5: Wreck-It Ralph game was, or the fixed Felix game was the old one. The other ones were were newer, right?
1: They were different there were different ranges. The the Tapper's Tapper. game yeah, he, he <laughs> Dipper, had a jerky mode. Right. Like, that so was, was incongruous perfect. to me.
3: Well, no, he, he had some kind of unique animation to him. Yeah, he, so did, right,
1: he did. The there. That's right, true. but you saw you saw beautifully 3D-rendered people moving as if they only had seven frames of animation, which was very incongruous. Like, I know what they were going for. They wanted to have their cake and eat it, too. They said, okay, yeah. well, we want to make the joke about how there's so few frames of animation in old games, but we also want to look 3D. And it didn't come off as well as it would have if they had gone all in one direction or the other.
5: Yeah, As, as I recall, when they, they were... Weir- when we were listening to the uh, director and producer, they did say that in the original concept, they thought about doing the entire movie, sort of like eight bit animation. And they just realized that, um, you know, eight bit animation is retro cool, but you can't really do things like animated emotions and facial expressions. and, And it just isn't, it isn't as interesting. They found it just wasn't engaging.
0: It also restrict the appeal for
3: their soundtrack. Well, it it depends on who they're making the movie for. Are they making a movie for yeah. a bunch of video game geeks that are there for all the references? Or are they yes a movie? Right. Yes. <laughs> oh, and that's the key. No. right? No, and they're not. Well, and that's that's the the problem that I had with the film was that it started out as a references film, and then as soon as it got to Sugar Rush Land, suddenly it was a
0: pretty generic, right? Uh, you know, race through a colorful land, hero's movie. journey.
2: Plot and, twist. Uh, and, yep, and, yeah. yeah.
0: Actually, more product placement for candy than there was for video <laughs> games. <laughs> yeah, no, it was all yes. candy references. Candy at that fans. Point. So, so, our topic today is
2: favorite childhood candies. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, mm, milk duds.
2: Yeah, which I, I thought was really funny because, see, my kids thought that was hilarious because uh, th- there's no video game I think that we played more in this house than uh, Mario Kart Wii and Sugar Rush's Mario Kart. You know, and or I mean it's a racing game with power-ups and all that, but they totally right. understood the gameplay. And so therefore the Sugar Rush concept makes uh made perfect sense to them. Even though of course it wasn't yeah. with Mario, it was just with a bunch of, you know, girls and this Candyland weird combination, Candyland plus uh, yeah, Mario Kart. It's, it,
1: it's always difficult to make like the fa- you know the fake TV show on the TV right. show or the fake movie, and this they had to make a fake game. And a in a thing about games, and I don't I don't envy like I think they were more successful with the. Uh, the game with the bugs.
4: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was that, one that looks was well like done. it could
1: be a real game. Like, you right. just ship, ship that now.
3: Well, and a lot of those games are pretty generic, though, so it's it's not that hard to create yet another generic one. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think
1: they mm-hmm. had a pretty good concept. With, like, there's so many of these, you know, the, the light gun-type games where you're, you're yeah. standing up, like Time Crisis or whatever, you know, that started right. that craze of people standing in front of a screen and shooting. And you don't need much of a premise to make one of those games. Zombies, dinosaurs, or, mm. like, bugs that multiply like crazy. You could right. make that game now, and it would do well in the arcade. But if you made Sugar Rush, maybe not. Mm. Not so much.
0: Well, I like their gimmick about the different cars each day. That's kind of a neat way mm-hmm. to get people to come back,
2: right? Where unique sort of like racers get yeah come in different in different mm-hmm. days, different racers with different cars. I thought the first person shooter. I really enjoyed the fact that they that they did go with the premise to the point where there was a. You know, because it's, it's like a, a, a shooter on rails. Right. And they're actually, I mean, there weren't rails, but there's like the shooting robot that is it's the,
3: the camera, stand-in. More or less. And it is the camera with the gun. In fact, I would have liked to see like a scene where the camera was a pain in the ass to move because it was, you know, just refusing to turn in one direction <laughs> consistently. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I, I really like that. They're like, no, 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 you can't do it. You know, we're we're the non-player characters here. We got to wait for the sh- the first-person shooter coming through, right? And I thought that was really, really cute as a as a genre of game that I played a lot. I thought that was that was funny. And then there's a there, I love the gag where you, you essentially have to get to the top of that tower in order to win the game, and uh, and that's exactly what what uh, Racket Ralph is good at. Right? He's good at. Climbing up the sides of buildings, so <laughs> he does it. You know, and, I, I that was a blasting holes
3: bit. in things. Yeah, blasting holes in in what looks an awful lot like the master control program. Well,
5: you know, I think that that some of the things people have just said, uh, it strikes me that when I went into the movie, I kind of went there thinking, oh, this is going to be great, all kinds of really cool references to stuff that I knew as a kid. Um, but as you guys said, there, there wasn't nearly as many of those as expected. And what I liked better was really their representation of just things we all know about video games you know like you said the first person shooter thing and and i loved like when whenever um, felix got you know quote unquote killed he did the little dying thing and then popped back up the little in the, <laughs> the, the the jittery animations in some of the things i think that they they got that better than they did the references to old stuff
1: uh, it's I'm, I'm kind of unfair for me to be comparing this, but I, the comparison I was always making, and I think a lot of people are making when watching it, is like, okay, this is, so this isn't Pixar, but it sure looks a lot like a Pixar movie, so let me compare it in my head to how would Pixar have done this movie? And the movie I kept comparing it to in my head was the Toy Story series, yep. which has a similar premise where it's like, okay take something that's well known like w- w- beloved toys like Mr. Potato Head and the piggy bank and the barrel full of monkeys or whatever and use them to build a story and the advantage to doing that is besides selling a lot of toys is that you can say okay we've got a story with like Buzz and Woody and they have a plot and and you know we have some sort of premise about being loved by kids right but during the whole story you can just pepper the whole thing with every possible joke you can make about Mr. Potato Head and his angry eyes and Buzz Lightyear's Spanish switch and the reset pinhole. Like every, you know, just so many gags, such an incredible density of funny gags that didn't detract from the story, but it's like there's such a rich field. So many jokes you can make about toys. And I felt like uh, this movie did not have the same density of humor based on the premise, like they, they left money on the table. And so I feel like if Pixar did this movie, they could do all the good things this movie did but and did do a lot of good things but also have that kind of like simpsons early season simpsons density of uh you know laugh lines based on the premise throughout the thing to just elevate it you know
2: that's a great point is is it wrong to assume that some of this is intellectual property though cuz I mean, my recollection is that there were a lot of toys that refused to be in toy story and it was only with toy story 2
1: right now but I, I just i just mean like the ones that you have think about what's funny about uh, yeah. toys in general like buzz lightyear is a made-up toy but the spanish switch is something like oh like i've had a toy that you can switch languages and yeah. and the little reset right hole, you know right like you can you don't it doesn't even have to be based on a reference it's like there's inherent humor in the idea that oh it's it's a movie about the to- the main characters are toys like real physical toys right. well here the main characters in the setting are real video games or video games that you make up this there's, there's so much more you can do with that
2: yeah, I, I'm reminded by uh, you know there was there was the Futurama episode that where they get stuck in a video game basically, and that's in 22 minutes. That thing rips off. I can't tell you how many yeah. references, including uh, some that were you know the space invaders attack and they go back and forth, and you have to shoot where they're going to be, not where they were. And Fry at one point is killed, and everybody is very upset, and then he walks back in the frame and he said, "Oh, that's okay. I had another guy."
4: And Kubert actually appears in that episode. Yeah, so that was one of the that was one of the. Uh, their roundup one so there was a a (laughs) that was anthology of of interest
2: right so it was one third of it and then when
4: they did their when they did their uh their quasi final episode the one that was one of their many going to be the final episode episodes they did an eight bit episode segment as well which used a lot of the tropes too and and um, the whole thing was eight bit or overview or whatever that was kind of fun too i think watching that you could see why you wouldn't want to sustain it for a whole (laughs) movie because it it just run it, it gets wearing on the eyes so quickly
1: Oh yeah, and there's one uh, one more thing on the look of the movie. I'm just so glad that they didn't do a thing that I've seen elsewhere, which is you take 8-bit graphics but instead of everything be, being little square pixels, everything becomes a cube oh, and yeah. you make yes. them out of cubes. Yeah. That is the worst of all possible words and I'm very <laughs> glad they didn't do that.
2: John, you said you said have your cake and eat it too, and I mean it, it's true they do that, but it does allow for the really nice uh flat 8-bit uh, overview of, of the Wreck-It-Ralph game and then you go through the screen and then they're in the 3D world and it is nice to see both of those. And of course, Wreck-It-Ralph, I mean, essentially this is Donkey Kong or more or less, right? So it's, this is the adventures oh, of Crazy Don- Climber maybe. Or, yeah. Right, it, Crazy right. Climber was what I was thinking. I suppose that's yeah. true too. I was thinking or, or it's... Or
1: Crazy Climber plus Rampage.
2: Rampage is where I was going, yeah. Ah, interesting, yeah. I mean, because there's so many games like that. I kept thinking, you know, would I be rooting for him if he was Donkey Kong? And that was, and, and Fix-It Felix was Mario? Mm, maybe. I don't know, but it was nice to be able to, to have that. And, and and like with Toy Story, they take these kind of archetypes of characters that are not... This is their original intellectual property. They're not going to you know make a movie about Donkey Kong or Crazy Climber or anything like that. But they are um, they are types that you recognize, even though it's not. And then they surround them with some other characters that are more things that you recognize, uh, which I liked. I, I liked that... Um, and the fundamental concept that this is a bad guy who's kind of tired of the rote of being the bad guy and wrecking things and he wants to do something more interesting. I love the fact that one of his suspender things is undone oh, at all right. times.
4: <laughs> I think that was one of the nice concepts in the the bad-anon thing. And they used it cleverly. I like to stand up in defense of, as opposed to the, the visual feel and the callbacks for of the um, the amount of like call forward that they did in the film, the richness of plot. Like I've seen it twice. And I actually liked it even more the second time uh, partly because I could look at stuff, uh, you know, as things I missed the first time around I looked at, but also there are a lot, there's a lot of plot and it's not too clunky. There's a few times it gets bogged down, but you know, there's a main story, but I think there's like an A story, a B, C, D, E, you have callbacks. Kubert isn't just shown and thrown away. He becomes an actually important character and the bad thing, even I think they did the lovely expedient having a really great joke, right? It opens with this, overview of his of Rocket Ralph's life then you realize he's talking about his life because the game's about to hit his 30th anniversary in the arcade then you see all you know all the bad guys and all the bad guys are all good guys they're we are bad guys but we're not bad guys and you you open with that and it seems like a throwaway joke but then it 's actually a bit of a theme that is a recurrence throughout that makes sense that they did it, and one of the loveliest moments at the end of the film takes you know this very funny, seemingly throwaway scene and turns it into something serious and um, and kind of moving so uh, I, I think the plot, the through lines for it really um, they put more effort into that than necessarily making it uh, so authentic i think to the like our remembered video game experience
5: that was one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie was the bad Anon. i thought that was great
4: mm-hmm. and then a the little bit where they pull back and they're in a room that little room in the middle of pac-man you're like oh it's just perfect Yeah, that now that was a good gag you notice the thing there was a restroom thing as they walk out there was signs that said to the bathrooms and they were like little um, on the eight-bit screen and they saw the through the uh, arcade side nice little detail
3: well, that's the thing is that that whole bad and on and the whole opening monologue section were great. I mean they were rife with references. They were almost like what I would have expected from had Pixar done this movie. And then that all just dried up. And and where did where did it go? It became <laughs> mu- much
2: more, you know, standard and 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 plot driven for yeah. an animated uh, series of, Yeah, that's right. I mean I ke- I kept expecting more gags that were about game gameplay mechanics you know right. behaviors that we see in games like the the reference i made to that Futurama episode where fry dies and has another life right or i guess that's ready ready player one has that gag too right? <laughs> the, the novel where it's like oh i got an extra life i got another coin here right and i expected a little
3: bit more of that than we got instead right. we got you know king candy and, and and i watched that first 20 minutes or so and i was i was Really enjoying it, yeah. I even made a note. I said, "I feel like I'm probably enjoying most of this just because I'm a gaming nerd, and I was you know wondering if I was a non gamer or a kid without the knowledge of all the basic nostalgic video game references would would I care about this or would I find this kind of kind of dull? Would you even know what an
4: arcade was
3: and then and then they all went away. And lo and behold, I found it kind
4: of dull. Oh, well, my eight-year-old adored every part of it and cited it and was been sing- was singing yeah. songs for weeks. So it plays for I don't know if it would play for a teenager or a twenty-something, but I it, it played for me. I mean, I, you know, I, I got into the, I got into the plot, Steve. There's this thing called plot. But I would
3: ask Glenn, did your eight-year-old enjoy that first ten, fifteen minutes as much as you did, or did they turn on to it when suddenly they were in Candyland and they were driving around and playing Mario Kart?
4: He was laughing his head off in the beginning. He didn't get the jokes, but the mise en scene was such that like. It's just it was just the ridiculousness of the different bad guys and you know, he finds the underwear in the in the um lost and found box in the bar. I mean there's they threw in enough nonsense, I think, to keep the kids uh happy. But um yeah, I mean there's a point where it transitions out of something that's more familiar, but I thought that was intentional as I thought they were saying, Look, this is the thing, we're showing Litwox the amusement park or the amusement um uh, arcade, they don't ever give us a reason why there's a backstory. We don't have an explanation of why these characters have a life. We don't know if there's a Wreck Ralph. In five thousand arcades, or just here, like you know that scene in Toy Story Two where uh where um, they're all the Buzz Lightyears and yeah, the, yeah, and that's which is really funny. It's a great existential crisis. We don't get any of that. This is just one arcade, one place, and it sort of plays to us. And then I think it, well, that, and that brings
3: up another problem that I have with it. But it
4: ages us out. It ages us old timers out as they introduce the new stuff. I think.
3: Yeah, I don't know. I think that might have been a mistake, at least from my perspective, because that was when I I sort of lost interest. I
4: still enjoyed the film, but. I, I,
3: I was I, maybe I was just set up by that those opening moments to expect something different, and then when it changed gears it it sort of lost me but apparently, it, you know if kids like it, then thumbs up
0: but one could i understand. think it, I think
3: it could have worked on multiple levels, like the way the good Pixar films do, where you know that the parents get all the the background material you know and I mean even those pans you were talking about with all the characters floating around in the background. there was nothing going on back there. yeah you're right I mean maybe you recognized you know Sinistar or somebody floating around back there but but there's there weren't there were no gags
2: well and the gags that were were a little bit i mean like i I wanted to see you know, like somebody bouncing on a hitting their head on a on a block and having coins fly out the top or you know i just right. wanted bits like that were like oh Duh. right video game logic and yeah, even even yeah. the really obvious
3: ones like that weren't in there and not and not th- in there those yeah. were, they were no brainers he does use the konami code to open up the safe yeah. so right konami which was code. one of the very very few <laughs> references that showed up in the tail end that was a good moment.
1: Although he had to spell that out. Like that was oh, yeah. when I saw that I said if Pixar made that, there's no way he would mouth the words. There's no way he right. would say up up, down. He would he right. would just do the code and you would and Pixar would trust that either you're gonna get what that's a reference to in the two seconds it's on screen yep. or you're not and they'll move on. But in this one they had to have him saying it under his breath.
3: He probably also wouldn't inexplicably sound like Ed Wynn for no apparent reason.
1: Comedy. <laughs> The story part of this with the whole like emotional problems of the racer who wants to be a racer and is excluded by the girls and Wreck It Ralph feeling like a bad guy, like that whole plot line thing. I thought that was competently done. Like, I didn't completely get bored out of it. Like, it wasn't super <laughs> there's, duper engaging, there's high praise. <laughs> I was, I was on board with it uh, emotionally. Like, it didn't completely lose me and it wasn't dumbed down to the point where it, like I was totally disengaged as an adult that I'm not interested in the, in the, uh, the plight of these two heroes and everything like that it wasn't super complicated or anything but it kept me engaged and, and i have to say that if i had to pick one of the two things for you to concentrate on either get like your gags you know do a really good job on your gags and have a good density or make sure you have some sort of story that is not embarrassing to an adult and have some sort of emotional resonance i think they picked the right one of the two it's just that we're so used to pixar doing both of them that were now were snobby, you know?
0: Well, that's
3: the problem, is they, they didn't pick one. They tried to do both, and they switched up halfway through, and that, I yeah, think, really
1: I, like, but the opening, it was, like, really... I
3: agree with you, though. I mean, the, the narrative was, was very good, and I, I did enjoy the kind of the emotional uh, heft to, you know, R- Ralph recognizing himself in the girl and all of that. Um, and I think that that if they, you had to pick one to be heavier on, yeah, definitely, the, the narrative is the way to go. But, you know... But does
4: nobody love the symbolic logic behind the... <laughs> In the Candyland, when he opens up the vaults and it's all lines. a flow chart. It's great. I love yeah. that. It was a great I, representation. I, there I, were good I moments. think they did a
1: good, that, that, that scene actually with like, this is, represents the inside of the game was just, you know, abstract enough where you're like, mm-hmm. I'm glad you didn't try to make this real. Right. And if you're going to make it fake, then you have license to do whatever you want that like visually expresses what it is you're trying to say. And her little thing floating off to the side with sparking wires was just fine. Like, okay. That visually communicates what you're trying to say. You don't need to do anymore.
2: And talk about uh, uh, the plot twist. I did not... they, They properly concealed... The whole turbo thing, where I I never was like, I bet that King Candy is really Turbo from the old video game.
1: weren't you wondering wondering why they spent all that time telling you about Turbo earlier?
2: Well, no, but they set it up right because they used the phrase "going turbo" for a long time, and then they had to explain, well, this is why we do that. And I thought, oh, okay, well that explains right. it. And you think that's the that's the
3: payoff right there?
2: And very cleverly concealing what was actually uh not the reveal, but the bigger reveal was later. And I thought th- they got me right, and I was like, ah, I didn't see that one.
4: That's good. I got it, but like a few minutes ahead there's a point right. i was watching and i was like wait uh yeah hold on you know one of the things here in terms of the the getting the the look right though i love that when they show that turbo scene that turbo is like this sort of i, I don't it wasn't eight but i don't know what that was that was like the original game was like even more primitive than an atari yeah, game it's like a night rider and, on the atari right it's, yeah and it can only go in a 2d plane it's not even pretending to go to a vanishing point so when turbo makes his way to the other racing game he can only go across the yes, road. across the road Go. I was like, that was clever, because if he turned, he'd be like, oh, maybe he could race. And Yeah, whatever. but he They're doesn't like, no. exist in that other plane. <laughs> He's in the wrong plane. Of,
0: yeah. That kind of bothered me, actually, because there was a video game called Turbo that I remember yeah. playing oh. in our arcades. Mm-hmm. And That's one right. time when I played it, there were no other cars in the game, which was very oh, disturbing. Oh,
4: my God.
3: Did they put an out-of-order sign on and unplug the game and kill everyone in the machine that next day? That's like the theater that I went and saw this movie in. There were no <laughs> other people in the theater. It's the
5: same yeah. I did think that – I thought that was clever the way they did the whole out-of-order thing. I did like
3: that. Yeah, but the, the problem with that is if they unplug the machine and everyone dies, there's, there's two problems with that. One, has nobody ever heard of plugging the machine back in? Hmm. I think they're going to go to the junkyard, right, or they're used for parts. I don't know. And, and then the other thing is if you take it at face value, when we started closing down all the arcades, we have unwittingly committed a digital apocalypse.
2: Oh, it's a genocide. Yeah. Oh. Michael.
0: Oh, I've committed plenty of digital genocides. Like just the number of tiny little uh lizards guys I've killed in Mario must be in the thousands. Those
2: all come back though. There please. were a few nice touches in there, but there's also a, you know, animated movie plot line that happens and, you know, that's <laughs> hey, you live in this volcano, Mentos Volcano randomly, right? <laughs> like hey, that. you live in this Mentos Volcano. Oh yeah, parts of it were it was going to be something but it never really got completed. Huh. The, all that information seemed extraneous at the time. Well, you know, Mentos are
1: not really video game related. So <laughs> no. That's nothing that bothered they're me. Candy is like, they're you candy related. You couldn't come up candy. Candyland. Candy. I know, but you...
3: Because the, it had become Candy Game at that point. Uh, it's all no candy longer references. It's a
0: movie for
1: kids, and you guys are dead inside. I feel like there's so much in video games, like... You can Even if you're making up your own video games, you could come up with a better premise than, like, don't make it a candy-based premise for your, you know, deus ex machina at the end with the with the beam and everything. Come up with a, an equivalent video game premise. Like, I, I like the bug. I like the idea that they all go towards a light at the end of their game to reset for the next right. player. But then when you come into the candy land, like, you're right. It, it became a candy-based movie instead of a video game one.
4: Right. I did oh, like that conceit, though, that the bugs, that was actually, there were, there were some bits in there where you're like, that is subtle, and I like that. One is when Fix It Felix looks at the, um, I've forgotten her name, the. Uh, oh, oh, Jane Lynch. You might as well just call her character. Jane Lynch because yeah.
3: it, there was no attempt made to uh, <laughs> yeah. distract oh, brand her from name. her voice or her, or her appearance.
4: Oh, sorry, Sergeant Tamara Jean Calhoun. I had a look at sure. so, Calhoun. So, f- f- so there's two moments that I thought were just nice where he looks at her and he's like, oh, you know, you're so beautifully rendered because he's looking at someone <laughs> with real contour mapping. But the the other part I liked is when she says in passing, Oh, these bugs are viruses. They're just code. They're self-replicating. They, they become whatever they eat, and they don't know they're in a game. And I was like, that is a nice little element. I don't think they played it up as well in some ways as they could have, right. but it was a nice element. There was like, oh, you know, everybody else is in on the gag. They all know, and they keep it running because they don't want to get unplugged or whatever. It's their job. It's how they're programmed. But these things, they don't know. They're viruses. That seems like poor, poor game design to me.
2: <laughs> I'm reading one of these one of these Jasper Ford uh novels where they uh the characters are literary detectives and they go into books and try to prevent crimes from being uh, occurring like inside novels and it's very much the same premise which is amusing which is that the the characters in the books know that they're characters in the books but they're kind of it's like their job right I mean that's it's the same idea it's it's not that they don't know that they're in a video game They are. It's just, that's their job and their role. And they, they, you know, they don't, you know, Felix and the people in the, in the building, they know they're in a game and yet they, and they celebrate their anniversary of being in the game. So it's not that it's just like their job is to be through that, that role. It's an interesting approach. It's very much like the, the, you know, these books that I'm reading where the characters in the novels um, you know they know their characters in the novels, and but they have to do what's in the novels when it's their time in the chapter. But when the, the book is going on somewhere else, they can do whatever because they're they're or just like filming a story role. and
1: Buzz Lightyear exactly the whole premise yeah. of the first movie.
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly right. So it's kind of interesting that that uh, that uh, she says that, but then the bugs are not that right. The bugs don't play by the rules. The bugs are they're are just bad code a they're virus. Either... That's a bad idea. You're right. Yeah. That's a
4: terrible. Well, they're not expect to get out of the game. The programmers have no, no. idea what's going on in well, the they, electrical cords. They, they
2: can travel over the, the, the power, power strip. line. Yeah. yeah, they didn't know. The power strip is...
4: I've written I've written so many articles about the death of broadband over power line, and this movie goes <laughs> to contradict me there.
2: There's video game characters living in your power strips. It's amazing.
0: And how did Sonic get in there exactly? It's it not an good. arcade character.
2: I know, it was Well, he, that's why he's in a PSA only, right? He's from console land, right? But he's...
1: Hey That's kids. Sonic Arcade games, I believe. Uh, maybe. Don't
3: leave your games cuz you'll die. Well, why, why would why would the arcade characters have ever come into contact with him to recognize him even as an icon? Well, he's a he's a star. He's just They famous. get taught
4: that when they're growing up in, in uh, when they're growing up in logic gate school. He's
2: like the Paris Hilton that. of video games.
1: I think the Naomi boards were actually Dreamcast boards and they had that was the arcade version of the Dreamcast board. I may get getting that code name wrong, but there was there was a console crossover with wow. uh, with arcade games.
3: Maybe just Team Sonic was involved, and that that was enough to carry his name. According to well, that article
2: that I read, that was a you know protracted negotiation to use, get Sonic to use, and it ended up being well, we'll let you use him, but he can't be the homeless character. Well, you know, and they ended up with well, we'll put him in a in a, in a PSA, and like the And what Nintendo characters do we see in this movie? There's like Bowser, is it? it right? But that's about it, right? And there's a there's a mushroom at one point. Yeah! Yay!
4: Mm-hmm. I was hoping for um, I wanted Ready Kilowatt instead of that little police character as the surge protector, though. That would have been much better. Uh, Wrong idiom, I know. I just
2: I I kept expecting to see something at the end where there's congratulatory, you know, hey, and it's like look, it's Donkey Kong, and it looks at this guy, and it just sort of never happened. It's like they they just. It, the I don't know. It to say something about the video game companies. They just didn't want to play ball with this movie, like to make a deal with uh, Disney or something. I,
1: I, I don't oh. blame the company so much. Like, what, one of my favorite parts of the movie was the the tiny flashback scene of uh, the Jane Lynch character's wedding and how her <laughs> husband is pulled from her by the bug, and and then the later with them with them you know with all That's the great. audience with guns trained. Like none of that had to do with licensing. That was playing off was what great. Toy Story did so well. It's like, look, we can't get Darth Vader right, so we're right. going to make the right. Zerg guy. Zurg. Like you can play off the ideas that are funny about video games or about toys without having any licenses, and they did that. So it's like, you don't need the license. Right. Don't lean on that. You can make up your own stupid bug video game and have a very funny segment. To, like, imagine, you know, this rough woman's love life and the ridiculousness of the enemies from her <laughs> game <laughs> stealing, stealing her husband, you know?
4: That better uh, one later when they do, you're a dynamite gal. You're a dynamite gal. And just in the big clunky uniforms in the yeah, cafe. Yeah. And the hall. No! <laughs> <laughs> speaking
3: crazy. of uh, Darth Vader... Did I imagine things, or at one point when uh, when Ralph is underwater and he's breathing through a straw, did they use the Darth Throw Vader in. breathing yes. sound? Yes. Yes. Wow. Yes. Shameless.
2: <laughs> or whatever whatever source uh, also was the Darth Vader breathing sound. I mean, that might just be a...
1: No, Ben Bird. No, it's, no, it's, nice. it's, I think you'll it's find Ben that Bird, Bird ben yeah. created that synergy. himself. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah, it's his scuba... So, do you think regulator. they threw that in like right at the last moment when the deal was sealed, or was that <laughs> they probably they figured they could on? get
1: away with it they It's not like you can't find soundboard recordings of the Darth Vader breathe and like what are you gonna do? Come and get us.
4: My big problem with the film was the fact that after seeing it even one time, the Sugar Rush song was a mental virus in my head for <laughs> at least a day or two. Could not, I would close my eyes and it would start playing that music over and over. So again. what the Sugar Rush, the Sugar
2: Rush, what the I love about the end credits Japanese and that music, subject. right, is they got they got a they got a Japanese pop band to do the Sugar Rush song and sing it in Japanese <laughs> except for the chorus. So it felt Kind of, uh, it felt nicely, insanely authentic to me. And we have to say, they got Buckner and Garcia, <laughs> the <gasps> authors of Pac Man Fever, to compose a Wreck It Ralph and perform a Wreck It oh, Ralph song over the credits. And that was. That was great, and it, and it as as you would expect, it details the plot of of Fix It Felix Jr. <laughs> of course it does. Uh, in, ben in, was singing
4: that. Ben was singing that song. Oh man!
5: Also, I had to stop. Him. Ralph is a giant of a man, nine feet tall with really big hands. Living in a stump on his very own land until his world went crazy. He was minding his own business on the day they came. They showed a piece of paper saying imminent domain. They built an apartment building
0: saying progress was to blame. So he got mad and he turned back. If you haven't heard the other songs on the Pac-Man Fever album, I highly recommend you hunt them out. The Frogger song's fantastic.
3: And it's, it's amazing that they could get Buckner and Garcia, considering their difficulty in licensing characters.
2: I, 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 I assume Buckner and Garcia were, you know, not around anymore, but they apparently <laughs> reformed in order to record <gasps>
3: The Call. They want us back! We've been waiting for 30 years. They managed to avoid rock music fame and the. Uh...
5: But you mean that, you mean they haven't been touring small clubs like flock of seagulls for the last five years?
3: Yeah,
0: uh, state fairs. I would watch a movie about the Disney intern who had to hire a private investigator to find Buckner. I guess, yeah. <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, I, you know, I got to say I'm I'm bummed because I saw like I said I saw the screening back in early October and there was no song at the end oh. and the kill screen was not yet. Oh. But they, they were still
3: rounding up Buckner. Oh.
0: Garcia was easy to
4: find yeah, but Buckner, Buckner was, a, was Buckner down had in. Buckner changed his name, somewhere. Dyed his hair he was and running was, a bar serving Mongolian herders. He, yeah. in I, the I guess we can Virgin be Islands, glad yeah. that,
3: uh, that massive music fame eluded them and they didn't descend into a cocaine and uh, groupie binge and end up being taken from us <laughs> <laughs> before they could pr- before they could uh, provide the song for this for this film. Thank goodness they failed.
2: Yeah, but anyways, so some nice touches there too. I, I the Buckner Garcia and the Sugar Rush song, which I, I felt was perfect because it's like unintelligible Japanese <laughs> lyrics and then Sugar Rush over and over again. Jump and to your sup- racing car. Super peppy, super, uh, you know, it's just a very Sugar sugary, insane Sugar yeah. Rush. There, there
5: was a lot they got right about the, about the Sugar Rush game, I thought. In yeah. fact, especially when they show it from the outside oh, yeah. in, in the arcade, I thought they really nailed that one.
3: Although, why Vanellope would be in her glitch outfit when she was supposed to be a princess in the original? Right. Uh, yeah. uh, oh, was a a, you, wait, ooh, was, she in her glitch,
4: was she in a glitch outfit or just with the hair? She was in a no, racing. No, I think she
3: outfit, was, was, was in her. Was I think she was in her glitch outfit.
4: I'm gonna go to the internet to find out while you do the. <laughs>
3: Which wouldn't be a problem, except they made that picture kind of a major plot right. point. Right. Right.
5: So I, I, you know, speaking of Vanellope, I thought um, Sarah Silverman was pretty fantastic. I thought she kind of stole the movie.
3: Well, you should, thank goodness at least one of the voice actors in this film is capable of changing her voice slightly. <laughs> yes. And it's it's not helped by the fact that they seem to be, um, the, the animators seem to be unable to come up with a character that doesn't look almost exactly like yeah. the yeah. voice actor. From yeah. 30 Rock. And giving, giving uh yeah. Fixit Felix the same down-home mannerisms that the 30 Rock character has, Jack McBrayer's well, 30 Rock character, that's know, just too cute by half.
2: That's a, that's, a, you know, they, they, that's a method that that sometimes a- animated films use where they the Robin video-
1: Williams Aladdin School of Animation.
2: They videotape them doing their voices yeah, and Yeah, no. That's Dreamworks quality stuff though. Come on, man. I don't you know, I don't I don't like it. Yes, it's Kenneth the Page. The the Sugar Rush levels, like like when they're showing when they're showing the video uh or the the different race levels, I mean, I could pick out individual parts of the racetracks that were references to I f- I feel like specific Mario Kart levels or at least, you know, it's like, well, that's like Rainbow Road and that one's like Maple Tree Way and like uh, specific and th- this one is like um oh, what is it? The uh the the San one San Francisco Rush 2049. The one where you've got the, the 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 um the snowboarders
3: going back and forth as you try to go down and you're... I think that was a Dragon's uh, Dragon's Lair callback.
1: Yeah, that that's from the Wii uh, Mario Kart level you're thinking of, the one where you have to go up and yeah. down the half pipes to avoid yeah. the slow yeah, snow exactly. Regions. yeah,
3: exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the, oh. that 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 there so was, it was Nintendo that ripped that
4: off. There's a lot
2: of a lot of Mario Kart, a lot of Mario Kart bits in there. that were really, I mean, well, those are people who've played Mario Kart a lot because those were th- those are the levels basically, or the essential parts of those levels. So
4: you know, what was fun is the movie theaters, uh, the two different theaters I went to. Actually, I was in three theaters that were showing Wreck It Ralph over the last few weeks, and they all had um, vintage uh, arcade games in the lobby that you could play that were actually all set up and running in Pac Man and so forth, which was just a nice touch.
3: See, that's that's another of my problems, and I, maybe I'm being too critical of this game. You, got, a, you got some problems, Steve. What's the problem, but, uh, Steve? but where where the heck is there a working arcade anymore where kids wait Portland. around in the morning We're, for the place to oh, open? We have
1: retro uh, places what? like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah but it's of, like fat 40-year-olds that go
3: in there. It's not a We're bunch, bunch of kids who are excited to play Fix-It Felix again.
1: Well, in the mall, they have the old game set up, too, and kids end up in those rooms. You don't have that in your local mall. Like, it'll be a bunch of modern, stupid stand-up shooter video games, and they'll also have
4: Millipede, Centipede.
3: I know, haven't seen a, an arcade in a mall in a long, long time, but maybe that's just a Southern California kind of thing.
4: There's a a bunch of standalone places in Seattle. Portland has – we were just saying Portland, was just saying Portland Oregon has yeah. a crazy number of them. But Seattle, we've got um, – there's a thing called Full Tilt that's even a – a chain, it's a barcade in. Well, ice so you cream, know that those exist. Those exist, but... but they have they have a mix. They have new games. They have new crazy Japanese games that I have no idea how to play. That are super console crazy things, and then they have you know Lord of the Rings pinball and uh, and Pac Man, Ms Pac Man. Mm. Yeah. well well, yeah, the Dave and Buster's Grundy.
1: places are out there, but. You, you mean, need the, to go to a setting ski of this lodge. One. That's where you find these things. Go to a ski lodge, like <laughs> yeah, so, a true. small place, like in in New Hampshire, or Vermont. You know, uh, you no, all find... they've got is
4: Mooncresta, and the joystick's broken. And they have pong. They have pong on the glass table pong too, right there. Yeah.
5: Around here, you just look for a mini golf course, and there's sure to be a huge arcade attached.
2: Yeah, we. Uh, my son's birthday party was at a Scandia, and you know, and they had a giant arcade of. Yeah. Ancient, mo- mostly ancient, uh, video oh, games man. too. If They're you thought
3: around. 80s arcades smelled bad, though, try one in Escandia.
2: Oh yeah! Oh my god, that's bad. It's, not, bad it's news. not
3: good. It's not good.
5: So at the at the screening, what one of the actually one of the most fun things was that afterwards we went outside and they took us to this little Disney. There's a Disney Animation Museum in the Presidio here in San Francisco, and. Yes. Uh, and uh, they had video games. They had fix Felix video games. So you can actually get this on the I- iPad and iPhone now. But they had taken an original CRT from like 1980-something, you know, half blown out, bad color. You know, when you go to one side of the screen, suddenly you switch switch shades of red. Uh, and they uh, they put the game in there and basically coded it for an old cathode ray tube and it was awesome it was great the people were like you know they had to set up for free games that, but it was a real 80s um like a you know donkey kong or or a crazy climber type console with a with the uh, Fixit Felix Jr playing on it it was really cool
0: now here's my question about the game it's called Fis- Fixit Felix Jr right yes,
5: right
2: now
0: exactly donkey kong junior has the bad guy and good guy switched from the original donkey kong does that mean regular Fix-It Felix, Felix is the
4: bad guy and Ralph's uh, the good guy? No, there's there's backstory. Remember, he got his magic hammer from his father, Ralph says.
3: No, no, he makes a good point, though. If it's a parallel to Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr., then in fact Fix-It Felix should be hurling the magic hammer down on some unwitting plumber. Or I guess carpenter at that point.
1: But it's more like Rampage and Crazy Climber than Donkey Kong, though.
4: Yeah, you're right.
1: right. right. Well, but the junior. Yeah. It's the junior, yeah. It's but I think they put the, the backstory
4: one. in there. The thing that'll happen is in the sequel, then we'll find out how he was once evil. He was a bad guy. Bad guy.
0: Or his or his dad was
4: the bad guy, right? He was bad guy. Bad guy, you know, fix it, Felix.
0: And then can he fix his relationship with his lost father with his magic hammer? Because he
4: will find lost father. <laughs> lost father is in another game, you see.
2: And, the, and their console will be threatened to be sold to a collector well, who will not
0: in, play it. <laughs> yeah, he will. I know those guys. They have garages full of games.
4: We're selling to Japan. I've restored it. It's being sold to Japan. No, it's just going to be switched to a
5: tabletop where people, where people spill beer and everything all over it every day.
4: That's all. Awesome. They'll be trapped in
3: an emulator on the internet. Yeah, there'll be a tear-jerking Sarah McLachlan song about when he unplugged oh, me. Yeah, that'll be man. So,
2: uh so you know I enjoyed it I thought it was an, a fun enjoyable video game movie it was not the the thing I guess I had dreamed that it would be when I saw the trailer which was really like Toy Story for right. you know for video game references but um but I I liked it I thought I thought it was a as as animated features go I mean it wasn't maybe a Pixar kind of level thing but it was good I thought they did a they did a really good job.
5: I thought it was fun. It wasn't as good as I like you, Jason. It wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be, or had, had hoped it would be. But it was enjoyable enough to go see. Yeah.
0: yeah, I liked it a lot.
3: I I liked it alone, just explicitly because John C. Riley's voice just kills me. Yeah. Especially when he's doing
0: what is basically his Steve Brule voice. <laughs> the more John C. Riley sounds like Paula Tompkins'
4: version of him, the happier I am. <laughs> <laughs> this might. This is actually the first movie I saw. Well, I was rewatching Lord of the Rings. Spoiler alert: We will discuss that in a future Comparable, Recently on DVD, and I found that I've been completely finally jaded by having an HDTV. I use it, but I never, I didn't have a Blu-ray, so I'm finally hit the point where DVDs look terrible to me. Finally, having I know it <laughs> I, I've been trying to not upgrade technology when it's unnecessary, and I we used to watch movies when there were DVD players in computers that i carried around with me i would watch them on the computer where they looked somewhat better because they're more vibrant but this movie is actually when it comes out on blu-ray i'll have to think about this might be what drives me to buy a blu-ray is to get wreck it ralph and be able to have that enjoyment of watching you know both at the resolution and being able to do stop motion and catch all the jokes it might actually push me over the edge
2: we finally
3: got him john (laughs) had to happen was the 3d any good in this by the way those of you who saw it in 3d yeah
2: yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, you know, I I always assume that uh, 3D animated uh, movies are going to be better at 3D because they right. actually have to plot the depth. As opposed to many 3D movies these days, which are shot in 2D yeah, and then converted, right. which is we'll cheating. stick that in the foreground, and
3: oh, that guy's back about thirty feet. And yeah, and blah, it's blah, like
2: blah, blah. a series of color forms. You know, you're like flat plane, <laughs> right. and then ten feet back there's another flat plane. Whereas with this, you know, you really did get that that sense of depth. Color although, forms. although, although in that in that empty uh, Grand Central thing. You know, it feels even more empty when you're looking in the background looking for jokes that aren't there, and it's right. just a mile
3: back and there's nothing there. It really jumps right out in your face. Yeah. There but are no jokes. jokes here.
0: What, the berts it. What do you want? We got q and a Pac-Man ghost. The only time I've been watching movies in 3D lately is if people make a point of telling me, like with The Life of Pi, you must see it in 3D, otherwise people are just taking it for granted and I don't care.
2: Yeah. I, I I ended up in 3D in the empty theater by kind of kind of by accident. It was the right time, you know. So, but it was it was fine. It was not offensive. Some every now and then I see a 3D movie and I, it was I, I not get offensive. All right, should we move on and talk about old video games now? Briefly, why not? If you we if should. you I don't know how we want to structure this. Should this be a draft of old video games? <laughs> that seems like a bad idea. That's,
3: yeah, that's like another week long episode. Do you have a
2: favorite arcade game? That I mean, I, I just to keep it that simple, a favorite arcade
0: game from your youth that you uh, oh, that you played you played a lot. Um, I played the hell out of this one game that was called JT One Hundred and Four, <laughs> which I don't know what its real name was. It might have been Kid Ninja or Cat Ninja or something. It was in one of the like lounges in UCSD. It was a lot of fun. Wow. <laughs> it may have been. He's a going for the
3: Glenn off. choice. Was that a German game of some JT, kind? I
4: was, don't
1: was know. 04? Was LSD <laughs> I, involved at all in this game? There was <laughs> only one
4: console ever made, and it was Wait, put in what, Monty's. What movie lounge?
2: Movie. What what lounge, Monty? Like in a, the Muir Lounge, Muir College Lounge. Wow.
0: It was just called JT-104, which may have been its secret code. What's Ninja
2: like Kid 2. Did it like a comp sci major make his own console
4: and stick it in the mirror lounge that, but, that and not was a tell anyone? Exp- that was a psych experiment, and that was the name of the course, I think.
0: I don't know. All I know is everybody was always playing Road Blasters, so this one was open.
2: John <laughs> John just pasted a link in the chat room to Ninja Kid 2, Monty. I don't know. It's JT-104. It is. It's Ninja Kid I 2. I, I found it for him. Wow. Check that out. There's, an, uh, there's a website that's got a picture of its logic board. Dang. Oh,
1: well, let's yeah, That's where you find it. <laughs> the these. internet. Can I can I pick two if this is not a draft type thing? Well, the, anything goes. There you go. Okay. So the, the first one I'm going to pick is actually a ski lodge pick. This is one of the things where uh, the only place I would see this game is when I went skiing with my family and it's one particular ski place, which is, I think it was like Butternut <laughs> or some one of those dinky places in, in Massachusetts. Not a big, popular, expensive ski place. Small molehill of a mountain. Yeah. Very old lodge. But it had this amazingly advanced video game in it that I had never seen before. It was called Side Arms. I don't know if anyone remembers that game, but I I have plenty of arcades near me where I lived, but none of them had this game. And it was a Japanese game where you play, uh, you come on screen, it's a side-scrolling shooter, and you play this thing that comes on screen as like an airplane slash spaceship, changes into a robot, and you shoot, you know, guys coming at you from the right. uh, And you get sort of weapon upgrades and shield upgrades, and eventually... Uh, you can join up with another player either an actual human player or a computer player to build a larger robot out of two robots so you've got transforming robot that combines with another transforming robot that gets upgraded weapons uh and it's all japanese and crazy and has cool music and and i love that one and it was special to me because oh you only see it when you go skiing you can't you can't play it at home doesn't exist anywhere there's no internet there's no Mame. you know uh so that's my first pick and my second is one that you all have actually heard of uh which was a Star Wars game because it had vector graphics, and vector graphics were very cool. Um, the there was a great article recently about mm-hmm. how all of the uh, arcade emulators are not properly reproducing what vector <laughs> graphics were really like because they actually drew with the electron beam. There wasn't pixels. It wasn't a raster screen. Yeah. You know, surprised any of us okay. could see after playing <laughs> Tempest all those years. <laughs> was that
5: the, you s- John? Are you talking about the one where you got the you're basically behind the the controls of a of an X-wing.
1: Yeah, and so the, the second thing that was great about the game was the controller. Instead of just having a yeah. joystick, they had it was like a steering wheel to to, to go left and right, and it was a, tilting two handles to go up and down. And you were just controlling a mouse cursor, basically, but because yeah. you were controlling it with a weird-looking control with buttons on your thumb and your fingers, they both did the same thing. It didn't matter. And you, it was basically like a rails shooter, and you were shooting down these giant asterisks that were coming towards you, which were supposed <laughs> to represent. It didn't make any sense. And, the,
5: and the, don't forget the little white
1: boxes. Yeah, and it had samples from the movie in it. You know, you're all clear, kid. Now, just blow this thing let's blow this uh, thing go home you know look at the size of that thing like all these terribly compressed samples from the movie that game was amazing oh and you sat down in it too they had the sit down yeah. version so I, played, I, I wasted I so
5: much money on that John when I was in junior high
0: man
1: have you seen the Vectrex emulator for iPad yep yep I've <laughs> seen that one so niche but but again it's on a raster screen so it's not quite the same I put that in the show notes a while that I put it in the show problem notes the problem
3: with a lot of those early vector games is they would blow up after like a month <laughs> wow Cool. Well, they wouldn't actually physically explode, but I mean, they would. The boards would burn out very quickly because they were generating so much power.
5: Well, I remember that Vectrix game, and they had like colored overlay panels that you, if you're playing a game that needs red, you like take off the front and put something on that has red in this plastic, right? And uh, yeah, I,
0: Tempest did that. Right, right. Space Invaders did that too, I think. Yeah.
5: And uh, I, I read a review of the iPad app, and actually, people were saying it was pretty good. Of of the ones that they've seen that are trying to emulate this old look, it actually does a pretty good job. But yeah. I haven't tried it yet.
2: Dan, do you have a favorite?
5: Man, I I wasted too much money on video games in the '80s. I I, I loved the Star Wars game. I loved uh, Black Widow. I used to I spent a lot of money playing that one. Um, man, I honestly I played so many that I I couldn't pick out a favorite.
2: Wow, just just a lot yeah. a lot of quarters spent.
5: Yeah, way too much.
2: I wonder how much of it your favorite has to do with like John was saying this, about a ski lodge pick. It's just like yeah. what consoles happened to be at the place yeah. where you were. Yeah. And, you know, like I played, I cannot tell you how many uh, quarters I wasted on Crystal Castles. Oh yeah, which That's was true. a trackball game it was you know cool. You jump over the trees and pick up the gems, get the gems, Bentley Bear, right? And my the roundtable pizza that I went to in downtown sonora that you would go to like after a a a peewee baseball game or after a Mm -hmm. after a seventh grade basketball game or anything like that that was where you went and they had like three games and one of them was crystal castles and i just played it endlessly and so you know if that hadn't been there it would have been something else and i would have played battle zone or tempest or i don't know what but i played crystal castles because that was at the round table pizza
5: and was it the tabletop version, Jason? No, no, it was the upright. Uh, our, our, ours was Pizza Hut, and it had the tabletop. Version.
2: And you know, the, the shame, the crying shame of it is that those games are, uh, you know, you can get emulators for them, but it's not the same because the tra- track trackballs track are really ball. hard to emulate properly. Yeah. The, the centipede and all of that too it's the same deal it's
3: just well, you can build your own control panel out of yeah,
2: parts yeah i can't yeah nerd actually panic software in portland they have a they have a, a pc that's built into an old into a console and it's running an emulator, and they've got the all the all the buttons
3: and a trackball and a joystick. Yeah, you can, and you can buy pre-made panels yeah. like that as well that have the not only the trackball but also the spinner for games like Breakout. And yeah, uh, you can get them all pre-assembled. They're kind of expensive for what they are, but right. If you really want to experience Marble Madness or Crystal Castles in their original form, that's what you have to do.
2: I, I like Crystal Castles, but not that much. Was it Tempest that had the knob? That's right, it did. Right. Yeah.
3: Yeah, Yeah. right, because you'd
2: just be spinning around the outside of the little well.
0: Yeah. I bet you could really annoy people you work with by getting rid of your mouse and replacing it with a (laughs) trackball that you had to spin really (laughs) fast.
3: Steve, do you have a favorite? Oh, man, I have so many favorites. I could probably go on and on and on, but I will pick two. I'll pick a a very early one and a a more modern one. The early one is, is... Super, super early. And it was one of the first games post Space Invaders that I think really kind of expanded what you could do with a video game. Because when Space Invaders came out, I mean, there was basically Pong, Space War, uh, Space Invaders kind of changed things up. And then from that point on, from nearly a year, there was nothing but Space Invaders with slightly different... Uh, Slightly different uh, guys going back and forth. Right. <clears throat> and some of them were in color and some of them had, you know, the colorful overlays so they would turn pink or green as they went <laughs> down the screen. And that was really the only variation that you had in the game. And then the same company, Taito, I think Taito, it's Taito, yeah. Or Taito. Sure. Or Taito, as I always used to call it when I was a sure. kid. Uh, released something called Lunar Rescue. which took what kind of started as a, a space invaders experience where you had a mothership and your ship would descend from the top and you would actually, it started more as a frogger. This was pre frogger. You had to avoid the asteroids as you, as you came down. And then there was a bit of lunar lander where you had to land on one of these three pads and then a little stranded spaceman would run over and climb into the spaceship. And then all of the asteroids that you had been avoiding on the way down would turn into ships, which you then were able to shoot at on your way back up to the mothership and it brought so much to to the formula uh you know where previously you thought it was pretty cool that uh, you know these aliens would go back and forth and down and you could shoot them and this it j- j- was so expanded so many different concepts were brought in and uh it was exciting as a kid who you know just loved being in arcades and 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 loved gaming um you know to see what might be possible as as more creativity was brought into these things, and and it was clear at that point that you know video games were going to continue to progress and and uh, you know kind of go down the the path that they've that has led to today, when arcades have pretty much sadly dried up and dried died. Up. Yeah, except apparently where you guys live, <laughs> possibly near <laughs> except you, except in the
0: cool part of the country.
3: It's it's really sad, I think, that that uh, you'll the the kid, our kids will never have that sort of joy Your kids. of discovering
4: <laughs> My kids already my kids had the joy two weeks ago. I don't know what
3: No you're no, no no about. no no what the, I, I'm saying that that joy of, of running across an arcade that's filled with a bunch of games when video games weren't commonplace. And it was just such a thrill. Like you would uh, like when I was a kid, we would go to Catalina Island, and I would spend the whole day. My parents would be driving around, you know, the Wright Mansion and uh, you know going to the beach or whatever. Sure. And I would just head straight to the two <laughs> arcades, and I would bounce back wow. and forth between them all day and watch people play the games. T- and, take the ferry uh, across to Catalina Island,
2: uh, an amazing outdoor adventure. That you would spend playing video games <laughs> in an arcade
3: because they had two great ones. Amazing! And they were they were only like a half a mile from each other, and I would just bounce back and forth. I
4: like to go to the Cloud Forest in Costa Rica and play Metroid. That's my. <laughs> well, that's, but you know,
5: he's making a good point, though. I remember when I was a kid that
4: whenever whenever
5: we'd go to the mall, you know, there's always there's right. always a, every mall had a huge arcade. Oh yeah, right? mom oh, yeah. would be yeah. buying
3: yeah. you uh, buying you some uh, tough skins, and you would be at the arcade. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
5: and and you would like you'd always want to steer steer the whole steer the family towards it and and you'd always want to run in to see if there were any new games that were you know new and fantastic that you'd never seen before and that's something that you know our kids will never get
4: no be interesting though because i mean there's still that experience of playing on big screens and things i know a lot of that's moved most or all of it's moved home but i wonder if there'll be some kind of resurgence because there's so many new games now that are meant for our mobile devices maybe there'll be um Maybe there'll be some transition back. People play stuff together in common. I don't know.
5: Well, my kids have one of the biggest things that they got a thrill out of the last year is is AirPlay with games on the iPad. Yeah. So yeah. like a driving game that you show it up on your your forty eight inch TV and you use the iPad to steer. For them, that's like they use the iPad. They they've seen other video games, but for them, that was like, wow, this is really cool.
2: My kids are really enjoy just playing uh, the mobile edition of Minecraft, where they're you know they get to play in the same world and for them that's they've done some split screen stuff on the tv for for wii games but they really like the idea like that one of them can be in one room and somebody else they can be in the other room and but they're they're in the same world the three consensual kind of 3d world together building (laughs) stuff or killing spiders or whatever they're doing and you know, they really they really dig that. But it's, that's a very different thing than going to the mall. It was an hour drive for us to get to the mall. And so we'd go once every few months. And, you know, I would basically say to my mom, you know, have fun at the department store. I'll be right here at the arcade and just stay there. And that, that you know, that
1: concept is gone.
5: Well, and the whole idea of here's a game everyone wants to play, and everyone has to
3: wait in line to play to win, <laughs> the one
1: the yeah. one copy of it, right? Yeah. You pay a quarter to
4: die in two seconds. Oh,
3: I still remember Pac-Man coming oh, out. Oh, man.
4: Yeah, scarcity. You know what our kids will never understand is scarcity of things that are appear in digital form. <laughs> yes. we <laughs> will be like, I need a book. It's like, well, there are an infinite number of these books. You just need the proper monetary units of exchange or piracy.
0: I have played so many hours of Arkanoid because <laughs> yi Kung Fu was too popular to let me play it. <laughs> Arkanoid's great though No it's not, it's just Breakout Oh no, it
1: has lasers <laughs> it's, awesome breakout.
3: About?
4: it's Breakout with lasers, <laughs> man Until... Do they still have Shakey's Pizza in California Or is that chain uh, gone? it might be gone that No, was, it's That back. was the worst it's pizza back. Oh, it's back
3: it dried up for a while, but it has it has returned, and it's almost a uh, kind of a mini Chuck E. Cheese now. It was
4: as if they took the cardboard delivery boxes and spray painted red on them, and then yeah. whispered the word cheese over and called I it pizza. I don't know, but they had um well, Shake- going
2: shaky up. is what you feel after you eat their pizza. <laughs> this was in the seventies. They still do a bunch of lunch too, by the all way.
4: All we knew from pizza, but that's where I played our kid games. I can't remember what they were. They all sort of blurred together because the pizza gave me the shakes. Apparently, yeah. Glenn, do you have a favorite? I'm trying to remember, I played a lot of, I remember playing Missile Command, which is like the most frustrating oh, man. of all possible games. Oh, yeah. Maybe that fits my personality that I would play the unwinnable, the Kobayashi Maru, Kobayashi Maru style video the game. The only
3: winning move is not to play, Glenn.
2: Whatever Missile Command
3: is in German. That's probably missile. Your game, come on, missile command is a very German game. Oh, it is. I mean, you just you is. feebly attempt to blow away these missiles, and then it's the end. And then you die. I was
4: never that good at arcade games. I was very good at computer video games. when those, when I first got a Mac. Well, you know, playing on Commodore 64s and then on Macs and other and Apple IIs, things like that. Um, I did great in those games and like Load Runner and all those. Oh, Load Runner! But, yeah, but you know, mm. Load Runner. Load Runner. Lode Runner but, <laughs> I could do a whole thing, episode is. about Load Runner. Let me. Know. But no oh, yeah. video. I was never a good arcade. There's something about the interface. I never. I never meshed well with that. I did much better with computer-based games. Huh.
2: Well, it was a different thing, right? I mean, there was, and there was pressure, and that actually determined something about whether a game was good or not. Is like, like I, I was saying earlier about Dragon's Lair that I just walked away from that because I thought this cost, yeah. this is going to cost me too much, and it's really, it's really hard, and I can get you know a couple of minutes out of pac-man that i can't get or whatever yeah. that i can't get out of this game and so you shop sometimes you shop around and you're like i want to i want to like spend these quarters in some place where i'm going to get some time out of them
1: yeah it set, saved my last quarters to be like yep. on centipede a game i knew i could play for a long period of time but my right. last two quarters like I, I can play the first few quarters you play in games you never played before or you stink at but the last few you're like all right i'm i'm on a five minute game i'm gonna go put this in centipede i know i can live for a long time
3: Did you guys spend most of your arcade sessions kind of holding your quarters and walking around and watching other people (laughs) play?
4: I, it was fun taking my kids to the arcade recently, and then them, you know, and the games were all like they're like fifty cents, they're like fifty cent pinball and whatever, and I think even Ms. pac Pacman might have been twenty five or fifty cents. So they're they're being nice in the pricing at this place. They're really making their money on beer and uh, ice cream at Full Tilt. But they, it was fun to watch the kids, and they're like, man, these quarters go fast. I'm like, I know, I just put twenty dollars <laughs> in that machine, and how many do we have left? They're like, uh, <laughs> not many. Not no.
1: Well, it was better. It was better when it was one quarter per game. Once that once they broke the uh, one quarter right. per game barrier, yeah, all over. totally. Oh, yeah, that, that was that, bad. That yeah. was
2: so bad. Actually, I remember the first time I was offended by video game pricing was uh, it was a uh, football game, and you could you you know it was one quarter to start playing the game, and you get to the end of the of the first half or, or, right. or part of the way oh, through the sure. through the first quarter and be like, if you want to keep playing the game, put in another quarter right. now. I'm like, what I the really hell? Yeah. Well
3: that goes all the way back to Atari oh. football with the little X's yeah. and O's that you'd roll around yeah. with the trackball. I mean they required you to put in quarters for extra time, so that's yeah. that's almost Look, back I, in the dawn of time. Well, let's what? let's
4: talk <laughs> inflation for one second, which is twenty five cents in nineteen seventy five when I was a small child. It is a buck seven today. So right. we had it good apparently
1: Oh well, no! Because the games cost all cost a dollar now. Have yeah. you gone and see right. the modern games? They all cost. Oh, a dollar. Play,
4: I don't play the modern games. Those are too modern for me. Today
1: we've got the in-app purchases of stuff, right? That that
4: makes that, sense? That, You know,
2: and and but it feels very forever, much though. like the arcade thing. And you got to give those guys credit, man. The the people who invented these games, like like how brilliant was that to say to to build these artificial barriers in, and then it's like yep. Got to have another quarter now, mm-hmm. right? It's like there's nothing, there's no intrinsic value in it. It's just well, see, software. The, the thing but... is,
1: I was with them, pretty like I knew that they took a lot of quarters. I knew they were, you know, it was like a challenge. You know, you if you were good, you could last. Like I could play Tiger Helium on one quarter for like an hour. Like I was ridiculous. You know, you could get good enough to be good at the games. They weren't unfair, and I was with them all the way up to like at, when Afterburner came out and it was fifty cents. But it looked insane. It looked amazing. I'm like, oh sure, that's twice as good as the end. I'll pay fifty cents. But right after that point, the games were no longer twice as good anymore. But then yeah. they cost a dollar. Yeah. And I'm like all right, that's right. it. Afterburner was twice returns. as good as Centipede, but the game after Afterburner, and you know, was not twice as good as Afterburner. So you know,
2: in the chat room, Clinton says uh, arcades sound like the casinos of the child
1: world. <laughs> oh, that, that's <laughs> well, what they yes. are now.
2: Except you can never get a payout. We went to Reno last year, and uh, in the casino. Uh, they had a fantastic arcade. They know what they're doing and it was the same I mean really it was like take your kids here. It's like gambling, but it is it is gambling, except you don't get any money back. You just get tickets.
1: <laughs> well they have casino games. They don't have they don't have video. if you've been in a Chuck E. Cheese lately, they're all they have gambling games where there's no yeah, video right. screen, you get like little coins tickets. and ducks, yep. you know. Tickets.
0: Yeah. One of the great things about ground control in Portland is that all the games are the original price. And it turns uh. out that now that I'm an adult, I can get $10 and quarters, and it's nothing. Nothing. <laughs> that's right.
4: Well, and they're like a nickel, right? You can play games for a nickel or a quarter and yeah. crap like Yeah, it's oh, fantastic. Because yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter, right? It's, when it's when a mom duffy.
3: was the pit boss and she only had $10, and you had to spend that over the course of like two hours while they played a, a <laughs> couple of rounds of bowling. Wow. Man, that's how, that's how I learned uh, how, to, how to manage my money. <laughs>
1: How to make sure you by the end of it you had lost every single amount, every single cent that you had, just oh, at yeah. the very end, just yeah. the very end, exactly. Yeah. You time, it yeah, out. you would
3: stretch it out to the exact, the exact last moment, and you would play that last game, which you knew you would lose immediately because time was running short on that final quarter.
5: <laughs> well, just remember, I, I remember when they uh, when they first started the the quarter inflation, and for me it was, if it's a sit down game, just walk by because it's going to be oh, yeah. fifty cents, seventy five cents, or a dollar.
3: I think Astron Belt was the first one that I remember being 50 cents. Do you remember that? It was a it was yes, a, Games. That was legitimate. Yeah. It was yeah, in fact actually Dragon's Lair might have been slightly before that. That was a that was a 50 cent game as well. Yeah, yeah. Dragon's
5: Lair was the first one I remember that it was multiple quarters. But but with the whole sit down games it was almost like they said, "Hey, look, this has taken up two stand-ups, so we got to charge you twice as much. Well, and they right. were kind
1: of like rides. Like the, the afterburner sit down moved, like The game moved, right. so it was kind of right. like a ride. Yeah. Too. So you're like, oh, right. I'm getting two Hang things. On. I'm getting a video game, and I'm getting a ride. And and the afterburner game was more fun when it moved.
5: Yeah, wasn't Firefox the other one like that? Oh, where
2: yeah, Where you sit Firefox.
5: down and the, and the whole thing moves with you when you're steering the airplane?
1: Yep. That's and right. Was Hang
3: on, where you rode the, uh, the motorcycle.
1: That didn't move too much, though.
3: No, I think you actually had to put the work into that one to make it move. Okay.
1: Yeah, eventually those, all those games that move broke because kids are animals.
2: Yeah, <laughs> they are. They're so destructive. Yes, they are. They, yeah, we had, we also had the things where you just put a quarter in. It was like a, a a spaceship, and it rocked back and forth. And there was no game. You just got Magic in. fingers, right, Jason? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's who needs a game. Just put in the thing, and it vibrates. Yay, everybody wins. Move on. Hope that keeps the kids happy. Hey. Glenn, you suggested this. Have we, have I, uh, have I done my job, or are there things that you would still like to know?
4: I give you four new lives, Jason. Oh yay, for, hooray! But no, the one thing I would say is that that um, one thing we didn't cover, and I just mention very briefly, is it's fascinating to me how you can get most of these games now in like new form, like that joystick with the Atari games built in, which goes back several years, where you'd plug it into those back. I mean, really before HDTV. Or digital or was a big deal, and you'd get a joystick that was the original Atari made from the same molds. It looked identical with the games built in. You'd plug it into all your built TV, in, mm-hmm. and then that's migrated to. Remember, Think Geek did that. I think it was a joke. Their console for an iPad. I've got one in my office. Yeah, iCade. Right, and so and then you've got the Atari The Greatest Hits um, iOS app as well. So it's funny to me to see like the nostalgia never left. Like people are still playing Pong. That
2: old code has been. It continues to be monetized <laughs> to this day. It's shocking. There's a There's a 40th anniversary Pong app for the iPad, and it's free, but if you want to play it for any length of time, you have to basically buy in-app purchase stuff. (laughs) So they're still making money on this crap (laughs) 40 years later. All right, anything else that
3: we didn't cover? I never said what my second game was.
2: Really? Wow, I just totally... I went into a a haze there, and I just... You talked for a long time, and I assumed there were two games in there. I did. Go
4: ahead, Steve. It it was Black Christmas, wasn't it?
3: It was Black Christmas-like. It was uh, Ghouls and Ghosts, actually.
0: Hmm.
3: Which I, I think... For me, that I think is the pinnacle of uh, the 2D side-scrolling run to the right, shoot things.
1: That game. involves that involves skeletons. I spent a lot
3: of quarters on that in college. That involves skeletons and armor, and zombies, and nudity. Was there was no. there
1: nudity? Yeah, you get hit and you lose your armor.
3: Oh, that's well, that's not nudity, really.
1: Well, he went down to his tidy whities
3: He did. <laughs> that might be the only tidy whitey uh, appearance in an early video game, actually. Anyway, liked that yeah. game. It was good. Good times. And it was apparently very hard, although I never really thought it was, so...
1: Well, did you finish it? You probably just died after, after a couple minutes and think you got your quarter's worth, and you're like, all right.
3: No, I finished it a couple of times.
1: Wow, well, I found it very difficult. <laughs> thought, it I became very thought...
3: frustrating the second time through, because the game actually made you play it twice in order to get to the end, but ah. which was fairly rude. Yeah. There thought. are many
1: games that I would have never finished if not for the magic of MAME. Because I just did not have ever have enough quarters never. to get good enough to go through and complete the entire game.
2: Oh, never! I I, I never got close to. At, at some point, I got to the, far enough in Crystal Castles that I that it tells you the secret warp location to jump forward to where you were without playing all the earlier easier levels. And yeah. that was like a big. That, I think that's about as far as I advanced in any video game that I ever played. And, it and in a way, that's far. utterly
3: brilliant because that means more quarters for us. Yeah. You jump right to the hard levels, and you instead of spending an hour on the game while people stand behind you or stack their quarters up on the front of the machine, it's thirty seconds and you're dead.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, I remember Tempest would let you start again at like level thirty, right. and give you a oh. whole bunch of points too.
3: That was
5: that was the that was evil. And then you die. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Good
0: thinking it, kid. Yeah.
5: It's so like you said, you're just feeding quarters <laughs> in level thirty over and over again. Does anybody else remember that sick feeling you had as a kid when? You've played this game for, like, you know, 30 minutes, an hour, and you've been feeding it quarters, and you're at the continue screen, and you realize you, you have no more quarters, and, and you're like, oh, yeah. holy crap. You can run, <laughs> run, run to the change machine, machine
1: during the countdown. I've done that, where you, it's oh, yeah. 10 seconds, and you, you can run to the machine if no one is at it, stick your bill in right. if you get it flat on the first try. And, and then your, then your bill back, goes
5: z- 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 back out, and you're like, no, 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 back you in,
1: got like in. Yeah, you got like, two tries with that bill, but, you know, <laughs> I got pretty good at feeding those bills in. Wow. You
0: know how when a quarter doesn't go in the right you then oh, you give it a little backspin. Yeah, does that do anything?
1: It makes it you makes feel, you feel good. <laughs> <laughs> the, main, the main purpose. Wow, I think it gives, the, it gives it a little bit more like stability, like a spinning bicycle wheel. So it's harder to perturb off its axes, you know, because of the.
0: But is you know, there a lot of room in the channel? Like, there's only one place the quarter can go. It's not, like, taking the No, it's, it's not just
1: a little channel, because a little channel will get clogged. There is a bottleneck, but then it opens up. If you open up the back of a machine, you'll see they basically fall into a big tin in most of these things. So a little bit of spin could help.
3: It lets the machine know that you've got style. You know, you're the kind of guy yeah. who will put a spin on a quarter just
0: because. Why not? <laughs> Can't hurt. I will do it increasingly frantically over four or five quarters <laughs> in a row.
5: I just imagine... Wreck-it Ralph type people in there going, "Here comes the quarter! Ah, let that one go through."
2: Yeah, yeah. There's little guys living in the channel for the quarter. That's the sequel. That'll yeah, be the they're sequel. They're on their break. Quarter. It's little guys
4: all the way down. It's actually built like a TCP/IP stack. So you know, they, we're looking they at take fifteen-minute the breaks. Layer.
3: Wow. And they, 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 somebody stands there and pushes the quarters back out while they have a smoke.
4: Yeah. King Candy was down in the, you know, transport lane. Yeah,
5: they're on break. Whenever they go straight through, there's nobody there to catch
3: them. No,
4: they're- King Candy, for God's sake, come on. We cool. had a long King game Candy.
1: naming session about that one. King Candy, King Candy, with the First voice of Edwin. Need a name? Yeah, oh, it's King Candy.
3: It's King <laughs> Candy. <Yeah>. He even <laughs> almost does the Tigger laugh at a couple yeah. points. I love
4: I this. Liked it.
3: I love
2: this video game you've got here. Oh. Right? Yeah, but it's really Turbo. <gasps> Shocking. All right. Spoiler alert. Spoiler horn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we already but we we did the yeah all right okay this has been uh, this has been enjoyable and it's uh, it's it's fascinating we we uh we talked about an animated movie then we talked about old video games it all works together comes together i thought this was great so I would like to thank my guests who are all old men who used to play <laughs> video games yeah. and, and don't have any quarters to their names anymore. So, uh, Glenn Fleischman, thanks for suggesting that we do this and making me go to the empty theater and watch Ruck at Ralph.
4: <laughs>
2: are you speaking Cupertese? <laughs> that was filthy. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty awful. Thank you, Man, James. this is
3: a family podcast. Yeah.
2: Steve Lutz, thanks for being on. It's good to have you back on uh, on the podcast. You went for a
3: little while where we didn't see you, and now you're back. It's truth, and uh, thank you, you cherry chasing dot muncher. you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's been the best one. That up all uh, day. That's the best one yet. Monty, Ashley, great to have you back too. Thank you for Hello. being here. Hello, welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, Dan Frakes, thank you.
5: Thanks for having me. <laughs>
2: wow the old prospector is back and uh and of course john syracusa who has a, a an encyclopedic knowledge of old video games apparently
1: insert coin jason
2: yeah so until next time on the incomparable podcast this is jason snell game over